And welcome to another episode of the Market Disruptor Show. And today I am sitting down with uh, my good friend, Ken McElroy. He is a real estate investor, uh, very successful one at that. He is a, a real estate advisor for the Rich Dad Company, um, MC Companies. He speaks a lot about uh, real estate on his own YouTube channel. So you should go watch him there. He's the one that gave me my cool new touchscreen TV you've been seeing me with. Thank you again for, then, for that, Ken. And anyway, welcome to the channel. It's a pleasure to sit down with you today. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. It's been great. I'm enjoying everything, enjoying this time and really glad to be on your channel. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, man, you, you're, you're so accomplished and I'd love just sitting down and, and just uh, learning whatever I can from you. And so today is going to be a big treat for everybody because I know they love my real estate content, but uh, they're really going to like yours. And so I'm happy to do that, but uh, maybe just kind of fill us in real quick on maybe what you've kind of been working on or, or, or what you're doing right now. Sure, sure. Well, so, you know, like a lot of us, I started investing years ago and my first investment was using my own cash. You know, I bought a two bedroom, two bath that cash flowed. So I've been a cash flow guy my whole life. And, um, and then, uh, you know, started doing a lot of the small single families and, and duplexes and stuff. And then uh, for about the last 15 plus years, I've been doing multifamily exclusively. We own about 10,000 apartments. Uh, we're, we're, we build them, we manage them. Uh, we're the general contractor. Uh, we're in Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, and uh, very active, at, you know, trying to buy multifamily and build multifamily. We have about um, Plus the five projects. So we have about uh, 1500 units in the works of, on a construction side. And, you know, we're really busy and we're, you know, obviously part of why um, I do what I do and you do what you do is that we're trying to figure out what to do next. You know, like, you know, how do you understand what's happening with all this crazy stuff with the evictions and the, mor the moratoriums on the loans and, the, and, and then the commercial side is just, you know, nobody really is talking a lot about that. But that's a super scary area as well when it comes to office and malls and retail. And so, um, you, you know, there's a lot happening right now. And, and um, so I just really appreciate the content you're putting out. And, um, you know, uh, we're just trying to stay ahead of everything with, you know, not only my money, but my investors money, you know. Hey, just a real quick interruption to let you know that this video is brought to you ad free by BlockFi. Now they're giving you the ability to hodl your Bitcoin and your crypto as it goes up in value. And at the same time, you can earn high yielding interest on it. So you can basically hold it for all the upside potential, and then you can make cash flow off of it at the exact same time. Now, opening an account super fast, <clears throat> super simple, and they've offered to give me up to $250 for every signup. But I told them, you know what, let's give it back to you. So you can now go and you can get the $250 whenever you set up your account. And all you have to do is just check the link in the description for details, set up an account super quick and easy and earn up to $250 brought to you by BlockFi. So check them out. Yeah. So um, you're kind of all over the country and, and you've been across all different types of properties. And I think that's the first point that I would really like to drive home for people. So uh, for everybody listening, uh, just real quick, um, I got a lot of stuff that we're going to dig through. So we're going to talk about the different types of real estate. 
whether you want to own a home, invest in real estate or different types of real estate to invest in. We're going to talk about different ways you can do that, whether you own it directly or maybe through other groups. Um, we're going to talk about what we expect to happen this year. Um, Ken and I might be seeing things a little differently, so we're going to talk about that. Um, and then we're going to talk about um, some big news pieces that are driving real estate this week and then where we think that's going. So lots of cover here. But um, Ken, so you've, you kind of worked your way up, as you said, with your own money. Um, and now you're doing, doing the bigger deals. And you mentioned that you're across several states. So I, I would say it sounds like, you know, you're kind of watching and studying the market from a big level, right? Trying to find where the best opportunities are. Yes. Um, is, is that, I, I guess that's right. So um, I guess the first thing that I think that we would, should probably discuss and that most people don't seem to grasp is they say, is the real estate market going to crash? And I would typically say that there is no such thing as the market, right? There's thousands of markets and they all move independently. Would you agree with that? And, and if so, maybe- I would. Absolutely, Mark. Yeah. I mean, people, you know, the, the journalists, everyone likes to generalize. I mean, every, everything aggregates up, you know, to one thing, you know, but, you know, I uh, just, if you go back historically and you just take a look at what happened to Detroit, as an example, Detroit is a great example of a real estate market that crashed you know, uh, years ago. And, you know, while the lot of the other markets have boomed and busted, you know, for various reasons. And, uh, you know, the real estate is very local driven. Right. Yeah. And so uh, by area, but also by type, whether that's a house or a duplex, a multifamily, a commercial space, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I think that, that's the first thing is I just like to talk about that. Now, um, we both recently have done videos kind of talking about the forecast for this year. And of course, uh, neither of us have a crystal ball. If we did, it would sure make things easier. Uh, but of course we don't. Um, in your video, you talked about how inventory has been super tight, um, but that you expect inventory to start coming back online this year. Maybe uh, walk us through kind of. Sure. That, yeah. Numbers. So yeah, basically, uh, as we all know, I mean, inventory is at historical lows, 40-year uh, lows. And, and uh, I think that, you know, last I looked, we, you know, there's like a million houses available. I, I, I read somewhere there's like, you know, five realtors for every house or something crazy, you know. So, yeah. you know, and what's normal, as, as we all know, if you just use historical numbers, is six months supply. And, you know, we're basically under three. So somewhere between two three depending on the market very undersupplied and and then all the other people are having to you know where near the, the, the where they were before so they can move an hour two hours three hours away and so we have all these migration patterns which i think probably we'll probably touch on so all that stuff's happening at the same time and then you have going down and they have equity in their home and they're sticking their stand put and um and and these are people that would have normally i think listed their homes you know i mean there's a lot of things that that aren't happening normally and and so um i do believe that once the vaccine gets rolled out and things you know come back to whatever you know whatever the new normal is then um i think people are gonna um, you know, harvest some of the cash from their homes with these low interest rates, they're going to, you know, they're going to list. And then I also think that we're going to have the people, last I looked, we had somewhere in between three and four million people that were delinquent. Um, and then we have this massive rental eviction issue 
that um, you know will create a lot of disruption as well. So I think all of those things are going to add more supply. Um, you know how much? You know who knows? And by what market? To your point earlier, you know there are going to be some markets like California that will be in trouble, uh, but there'll be other markets that have done really really well that won't be. So you, you know it's going to be state by state, city by city, county by county. Uh, but yes, there's going to be, I believe, a lot of uh, a lot of inventory that's going to hit the markets. Uh, I, I predicted in the in the fourth quarter. Yeah, to to add on to your point, I would say that we did see when the pandemic first broke out last year, March of 2020, um, that we saw, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe we saw more inventory pulled off the market than like any time in history. Yes, right. that's exactly my point. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't, I mean, you can't blame those people. They're like, okay, we may or may not have work. You know, our employers may or may not survive. We have, we, you know, if you look at equity in people's homes, they've, they've done pretty well. And that's actually, that's actually the best thing that's happened is people have, you know, call it this, this bank account. They don't get to get it unless they sell it or refinance, but you know, it's sitting there. And, and that actually is way better than what happened in 2008 when I went through you know, a very different correction. So I think that's a good thing. And, and that actually will, I believe will really help. But people, you imagine if you got a bunch of equity in your house, you know, and you don't know where you're gonna work as an example, I don't know that you're going to list your house, uh, you, you know, because now you're, you're gonna harvest it, you're gonna pay capital gain tax and you know, you have to figure out where to go next, right? Yeah, everything in life comes down to certainty. So the more certain you are with your life, the longer out you can plan and the less uncertain you are, then the less you can plan. So extreme examples of that would be if I was in a, a country like Syria that's being bombed right now and I'm literally fleeing for my life with my family, the last thing I'm trying to do is like worry about saving money for my future. Like, like right. my future is so uncertain. That's the last thing I'm worried about. And so um, to your point, there was a lot of uncertainty that was going on for uh, any number of reasons. I'm scared to go out of my house. I don't want other people to come in my house. I don't know what the future and all these things. And so people decided to do that. But I guess to add on to your point, um, we know that people wanted to sell their house before the pandemic and it came off the market. And so there, so it's reasonable to expect that once this gets cleared, that inventory will go back onto the market. Now, um, That's right. one theme that uh, for everyone listening, one theme that you're going to hear over and over and over is that it's all about supply and demand. <laughs> and so yeah. everything that we're talking about is affecting supply and demand at some point. Um, but um, one thing that I hear when I talk about real estate, and you can let me know if you hear the same thing, and I'm sure you do, but everybody is expecting this, this massive amount of unemployment and specifically the record amount of, uh, of forbearances and rent moratoriums. They are all expecting that to just come onto the market and just crash it. And I think you're kind of expecting maybe the same thing. So it's interesting. It's going to depend on, uh, there's a lot of factors that have to do with that, obviously. I think most people, if you look at the, if somebody's in their home, they're gonna hold on and they're gonna do whatever they have to do. And so they're all gonna trickle out based on what happens. And there's a lot of people that you know believe that the, some of this forbearance is just gonna be thrown out into the end of the loan. Um, and, uh, but you know, that's a very small percentage, as you know, uh, you, you know, and, and so there's a lot of mortgages out there that are non-government mortgages. And, and so while there's a, you know, the, the forbearance is certainly in place right now, 
Um, you, you know, there's a lot of private lending, a lot of private money out there, you know, kind of sitting back on the sidelines and trying to figure out what to do next. So, um, so I, I don't know if it's all going to come, uh, but I do think, you know, obviously Biden kicked everything down the road till, till June 30th, you know? And so when I originally did that video, as you know, that was prior to him even kicking it down the road to June. So, uh, uh, you know, I was interesting, as you know, I was with George Gammon uh, last weekend yep. up in Park City. And, you know, we got into this big discussion as, as you, you know, we all do when we get together, try to tap into everybody's uh, resources. And, and George said, you know, personal incomes were way up, you know, during all of this, during this whole pandemic, personal incomes are way up. And you gotta wonder why, like, you know, like with all this unemployment and, you know, all these businesses that are going out and, and, and people are going to part-time and all that kind of stuff, you know, that's all been propped up by the government. And uh, there's no doubt around that. And so when, when, the, when the new checks came out and, uh, you know, all those things happened, you know, that's, believe it or not, as a landlord, that actually was good because those people take that money, they pay their rent, uh, you, you know, but at some point, you got to wonder, you know, how long is the government going to be issuing these checks? And that's what I was trying to get at. So uh, will it all hit in the fourth quarter? Probably not. But um, it's if they don't kick it down the road again, I would expect that you these things are going to have to work themselves out. Well, um, just like uh, George, I spend a lot of time studying what the Fed Fed is doing, the central banks and the Federal Reserve. And so um, it just seems to me, I mean, they've, they've passed their 900 billion, another 1.9 trillion is about to come through. I think there's another potentially 3 trillion they're negotiating about coming out with next. I just don't think that they've come this far to let it fall apart at this point. Yeah. In addition to that, um, if the stock market and the real estate markets were to crash, hard debt to GDP levels would skyrocket to a level that would probably wreck the country. And so they're, they're kind of forced in a way. I just don't think they would let it go, but we don't know. But one thing I would also say though, is it, and you can see what you've, I know you've looked at the data more than I have on this, but it seems like the people that are affected, the people that have lost their job, the people that are still unemployed are mostly service level jobs, service sector jobs. And so maybe a lot of those people, one, don't own homes, and two, if they do own homes, they're only in certain um, price points and markets. Um, what do you think about that? Hey, just another quick interruption to let you know that this video is brought to you ad-free by BlockFi. Now, they allow you to hold onto your Bitcoin and your other cryptos for all the potential upside. And at the same time, you can earn high yielding interest on it. So it basically cash flows. Now with BlockFi, you can earn up to 8.6% interest. You can also borrow against your crypto as well. It's super fast. It's super easy to set up an account. And right now, you can get up to $250 when you set up your account. Check the link in the description that I have for details in order to claim that $250 because BlockFi is the future of finance. Just check the link in the description for all the details of how to claim your $250 today. Really good. So you start to look at these, um, uh, you know, that's obviously on a higher end side. You know, companies like JP Morgan, which I know we were talking about before, or Goldman Sachs, and you start to look at these big, big companies that are based in, you know, it's not just all about New York or Chicago. And I have friends that are, um, that have spaces in those, in those, in those markets, and they're paying rent, and none of their employees are going to the office. And, um, and so, you know, that's, you know, that, that's all the stuff that no one you know, has really talked about yet. And so you're right. 
It's definitely at the lower end for sure. And those are the ones that show up first. But then there's a whole tranche of people, I think, that are, are displaced right now that are trying to find their way. And, and I got 70 resumes for my COO position and none wow. of them were from a local area. Wow. Okay, so let's let's chase that down a little bit. So there's great migration, right? Everybody wants to get the heck out of Dodge, right? They're leaving New York and they want to migrate to these areas. And so um, I uh, we were talking uh, earlier about this headline. I saw J.P. Morgan putting up like 800,000 square feet of uh, office space. We've seen most of Wall Street, Goldman Sachs, even the New York Stock Exchange are announcing they're all moving down to Florida. People trying to go to Arizona where you're at. Uh, yeah. Talk about this great migration a little bit. It's true, you know, I think you probably saw the news. It's a, it's a bit dated now, but Pinterest wrote a $90 million check to get out of their lease in San Francisco. Wow. Uh, you know, and, and so you start to see, you know, I'm in the commercial space primarily. So I own office buildings. We have self-storage. I do land development. And, and obviously what I'm primarily known for and what I do is multifamily. And that's also a different issue. Uh, I have friends that own multifamily in Chicago and New York and 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 in San Francisco and Seattle and, and and they're in trouble, you know, obviously for multiple reasons. And and so, I think that um, uh, and the hotel business, uh, you know, those little micro hotels are just getting crushed right now because you, you can't survive on 10, 20, 30 percent occupancy, which is right. basically where, where they are. And so. Uh, all of that's happening. And, and I, I think the migration patterns are, I think it's fascinating personally. I, I think the fact that, you know, you can, you can be, a, go to be at work at, let's say for Twitter and, and live in Texas now. Right. Like, yeah. So I think that's awesome. And the fact that, but it is going to make a massive real estate impact for obviously San Francisco as, you know, just to pick on them. But Things are happening like that all over, Mark. Even my own company, you know, we're taking a look at this hybrid model. You know, we have a lot of space. Mm -hmm. And I have, you know, every conversation I have with my friends, they're like, okay, well, all my people have been home for a year almost. So how much space do I really need? Yeah. And so at the end of their leases, they're going, well, you know, I had 20,000, now I'm going to have five, you know, right. and, and, uh, it's really, really interesting. I think what what you're going to start to see. Uh, I was actually playing golf with the one of the top guys at Freddie Mac, and he, you know, he's in Arizona of all things. And him and his wife bought a place out here. And he he flies back. I said, "What are you going to do with that massive campus?" And he said, "Well, I think what we're going to do is we're going to put a hotel. We're going to put some hotels in there and make it all more like a conference center. You know, just for Freddie Mac employees, so you could fly in." you know, uh, stay there, go, you know, meet when you need to meet and then fly back to where you are. And so I think you're going to see this repurposing of real estate. You know, we're certainly seeing it with the regional malls already, which were already in trouble pre, you know, pre COVID. And, um, so it's, it's an exciting time for real estate investing in my opinion. Well, anytime there's change, it creates opportunity. And so yeah. as an investor, no matter what market you're in, you're looking for that change because that's where the opportunity is going to be. If you get it right and you can get there before it. Uh, I, I think it was Buffett, who's, you know, whoever said that uh, markets are discounting mechanisms, right? So you're trying to get a discount on what the future is going to hold. But I would say just to add to that, um, I was already tracking this great migration from what the baby boomers, they're all retiring. 
and they all want to sell their McMansions and they all want to move somewhere where it's sunny and they can play golf and tennis 365 days a year. Yep. So we already had that going on. And now you're adding on the COVID work from home kind of thing on top of that. And so it's a powerful, powerful trend. So um, I, I guess let's wrap it up with that and just say um, that anybody looking at real estate needs to understand it's local and they need to understand these supply and demand metrics. Um, now, if we want to um, kind of take it a little bit for, uh, farther, so people who are interested in this topic, let's talk about different ways that they would uh, buy real estate. So first off, they would have like their home. So if, you're, if, if you want to buy a home, so a lot of people are going, should I buy a home this year or not? It, rates are cheap. Should I lock it in? Um, I don't believe that you should look at it as an investment. You need to look at it as a home. So what, what do those people need to be looking at or thinking about in that regards? And, and do you kind of uh, agree with kind of the, the it's, an, it's an asset, not a liability, or it's a liability, not an asset type of thing? Yeah, well, a great question, by the way, because I think that's what's kind of everyone's facing right now. And, and I, I think there's a big affordability issue happening right now. You look at personal savings are way up. And which is good. That's finally, we, we, you know, people are saving money, which they need to do for these kinds of, you know, have cash reserves. Um, but I agree with you. I think that people should live where they want to live. And, um, you know, they should live within their means and they should have enough cash reserves and they should be where they want to be. And, and I think this is the exact time to be able to figure that out. And that's why Idaho and Montana are blowing up. And that's why Wyoming and, you know, these little places that, you know, are flyover states basically, you know, are, are really on fire. You know, these little, small, little suburbs, you know, I, 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 I live in the Northwest in the summer because Arizona is just so crazy hot. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's nuts what's happening in, in a lot of these little markets. These are markets that I, that I, I go to, I, I, I keep track of. Uh, and, and it's happening all over Oregon, all over Washington in these small little things. So that's what's happening. And I agree with you. I, people, I always say your house, even for me, my house is my house. It's not on the table from an investment standpoint. With that being said, you don't want to, you know, people are always trying to time things. I think with inflation uh, and the low cost of, of the, the borrowing, that um, it, it, you're going to be just fine, you know. Like if you buy something that's a half a million bucks or two hundred grand or whatever, no matter where it is, and you throw some debt on there, two and a half percent fixed, I think you're going to be just fine <laughs> based on all the money printing that we've got going on. Yeah, you know, you're going to hit, you're going to be hedged on the what, 60, 70 percent of that, 70 percent, let's say, or 80, um, by using somebody else's money anyway. So really, you're only you're only messing around with that down payment piece, and and but inflation's gonna gonna push everything up uh, yep. personally. You know, I believe we're already seeing it. You know, I'm building I'm building properties, on one property, 300 units. I'm a million dollars high on my on my lumber. You know, wow. Like, you know, <laughs> just lumber, yeah. and and um, you know, so you're already seeing these um, you know components. Um, I read from the National Mortgage or National Multi Housing. I'm sorry, the National Home Builders. The average home is now fourteen thousand higher as a result of the components from where it was pre-COVID. So that's a lot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, so I would say let's let's we'll table that and just say if you're thinking about owning the home to live in it and it's your home, as you made the perfect case, and I hadn't really thought about that. All these people that wished they could live in Wyoming or wished they could live in Idaho, but there's no jobs there. 
now they can. Right. Now they can live in Idaho and still work in, in Silicon Valley, right? And so they, or, or work in New York City from, from some Idaho. So that's a, good, that's a good point. And so if you can live where you want to live and lock in historic rates and you want to live there forever, then who cares? Um, an example for myself is, um, as you know, I just moved out of the country. I just moved from California to, um, to Puerto Rico and we're getting ready to move out of the country. And all of a sudden in my area uh, on the beach, a property came up for sale. Last thing from my mind is buying a, a house at this point. And I'm just like, I want that house. I want that. I want the lot. I want that lot that that house is on. And my wife's like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I'm like, this will probably be the worst time to buy. I'll probably be an idiot. The market will probably crash, but I don't care. I don't care if the market drops 50%. If I can lock in the rate and get that property, I want it. And so I didn't end up getting it, by the way. But my point being, <laughs> if it's a place that you want and you can lock it in and you don't care if the price goes down, then um, I, would, I would probably say buy. And on top of that, um, in my real, recent real estate video, I made the case that uh, a house I owned in uh, 2007, I had a $1.5 million loan. It was about $10,000 a month. Today, that same $10,000 will buy me $2.5 million. Right. And so um, being able to lock it into these rates, especially this week, we've seen rates going back up. What do you think the rates going back up will do to the homes? You think it, how high, I guess, do you think it needs to go up before maybe that starts to make an impact? Right. Uh, well, I, it's interesting. I just was listening to something about this. I guess Powell went and spoke to, you know, somebody, you know, Wall Street Journal convention and, and, and rates jumped up. Uh, you know, uh, they're still incredibly low, Mark. You know, it's funny, like, as I, you know, as, as Ross and I were buying all that real estate, we, we, you know, we were buying it, you know, four and a half, five and a half, even 6%. We were happy then, Yeah. you know, and now it's slid even more. So our, our cash out refis, you know, are better. We're actually being able to get more out. Yeah. So um, yes, they're up. But they're still so low, uh, you know, and I think that you're going to start to see them bumping up. But what does happen to answer your question, obviously, whenever anything goes up like that, that's the cost of money, then, the, you know, things slow down even just a little bit. So yeah. maybe that person that was right on the edge, be able to buy something, you know, now can't because that rate's higher. It could be a car, it could be a house, you know, and, and um so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, where rates go. I can't imagine during all of this that they're going to increase rates, you know, because <laughs> we still have, you know, a lot of people um, that uh, are unemployed and, and we still have a lot of disruption happening and, and, and for them to raise rates, um, you know, at least over the short term would be uh, a really, really bad idea. Well, I don't think the Fed will, they said they're not even thinking about thinking about raising rates. Um, so, I mean, it could be five years. They, they've said at least five years. I think rates will go down, but the mortgage rates don't track the Fed fund rate exactly. Right. So we'll see what happens with that. But let's jump, let's jump gears a little bit and let's leave residential. We kind of covered for the people that want to buy a house to live in it. But now what about real estate investing? Now, uh, I invested, I was investing in real estate from 1995 uh, I did really good for a decade through about 2005, 2006. Obviously, 2008 was horrible. Um, but what I learned is that uh, there's no such thing as good and bad timing, just good and bad strategies. And I don't know if you agree with that, but right now there's, 
I think certain real estate strategy, investing strategies that would still work today and probably some that don't. Do you agree with that? And if so, which strategies do you think are probably the best for people to kind of think about? Based on our the migration patterns that I know you watch, I watch, that's going to create bubbles and depressions. You know, people are going to be moving out of areas and they're going to be moving into other areas. And that's, uh, you know, so you've got to really be, uh, be cognizant of where people are heading. And if you're, if you can be there and catch that, then you're going to be very, very well, even during this pandemic. Okay. Um, it seems to me like I, I probably did a hundred, 150 fix and flips, but I don't know if um, now is the best market to be doing those today. I would agree with you. I would agree. I mean, you know, it's a, the problem with that is that it's a, there's, you've got the timing issue, right? And, and so, you know, it depends on how long I suppose. And, and then also you have the tax piece now, which is up for grabs, I guess, you know? And so, uh, you, you know, uh, there's a, it takes, you want to make sure that whatever you're buying is going to be worth a lot more than, you know, what you paid. And, 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 and because of where things are with inventory, I'd be careful with that, you know, especially um, with what we kind of started talking about earlier on inventory. So then investing for income is the strategy that I like. Is that the strategy that you like? A hundred percent. And that's actually been my strategy the whole time. I, I, I like you, I, you know, I know we've talked about this. I look back sometimes at the properties that I owned and I'm like, man, I wish I still owned that, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I do that all the time and, I, and, 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 you know, I, I've had a great career. It's been wonderful, but the stuff I've kept has, you know, and cash flow over time has been by far the best strategy. So um, if I want to invest for cash flow, I want to, I want to invest in a place that I believe the cash flow has good long-term demand. Like I don't want to invest in a, in a, in a city that's dying and nobody's going to be there in, in, in a few years. Right. I want to move somewhere that has long-term demand. So that's the migration thing you talked about. Uh, for me, I kind of like the entry level because people are always coming up and people are always coming down. There's always demand for that entry level. Um, but then what I've been kind of wrestling with uh, lately, and, and I'd like your opinion on this, I've always liked to own everything. Um, I just sold an apartment building in Indianapolis two months ago, and it just became too much work, even with my property managers in place. And I just couldn't even manage my property managers. Anymore. I just don't want to deal with it. And so I've been thinking about shifting that into more like syndicated deals instead of me owning and managing everything going into bigger deals where I can do, you know, big uh, apartment complexes, things like that. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about those two options for the average kind of person? Well, first of all, I completely agree with your entry level piece. You work, Ross and I are known as workforce housing guys. So, you know, we, we build what we call a minus, you know, and that's what we build. And we, we try to buy stuff that we can uh, be right underneath, you know, the, the really high end glitzy stuff. We want to be two, three, four hundred dollars a month less on a rental side. Um, and so I completely agree with your strategy there. Um, and I, I, I think that, um, you know, it, the management piece is, a, you know, it's a real piece. It's a big deal. I, I was fortunate, Mark, as you know, that I came up in the property management world operationally. I started managing properties uh, when I grew up in Seattle and I was doing that in college. And, 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 and so for the first 10 years of my career, I did that. And so 
so it's really a much, much easier for me to be able to drop in and manage a manager, which in, in some cases, like when we were buying stuff in Oklahoma, we actually used a third party manager. Um, and in, in Texas, we actually bought a management company and, and rebranded it. It's the key to everything. <laughs> but if you don't have the, uh, you know, the time and, and, and the, and the experience around it, it can be daunting because, you know, these little decisions that, that are being made, uh, luckily, because of my experience, I can challenge them. And, and you know, I can, I can drop into any property anywhere and have a one-on-one -on -one with the manager. And, and you know, and, and because I've been there before, I've done it, I have a tremendous amount of experience. So we have a management company, uh, but it's Finding a good property manager, man, is the hardest thing ever. It's the most requested thing that we get. I get probably every week somebody asking me to manage their stuff. And, um, you know, but we only do our own. And, and but for those people that don't want that, and, and we have thousands of investors that, uh, to your point, that they just, they, they, um, they put the money into the, into the syndication. The one thing you got to be careful of is sometimes the syndicators, don't have that management experience. And so they do it themselves too. So you can give a syndicator money and the deal might be great. Uh, you know, might pencil out and all that kind of stuff, but then they're not pulling the cash out on the management side. All right, Ken. Well, that's a lot of good information that you've given us. Um, let's go ahead and try to summarize this and kind of wrap this up. So um, as a homeowner, they probably want to go ahead and buy if they want to live there, lock in those new rates. If they want to invest, um, they want to invest into areas that are growing and they want to invest for cash flow. Give us some ideas of where um, people would get this information, what they should be looking and how they might want to kind of approach that. Sure. Well, I think that, you know, when you're looking to obviously invest in whatever it is that you're investing in, you want to go to where the people are going, population growth, the employment growth, and all of those things. And, and I think that's probably the number one thing that people miss is that, you know, you want to go as Wayne Gretzky says, you know, when he was, why are you such a great hockey player? Well, I always skated to where I thought the puck was yep. going to be. And I think that people miss that, you know, they they kind of get on this herd mentality and, and, and you know, oh, so-and-so is buying, so-and-so is buying. You kind of have to look at the bigger picture. So, you, you know, and, and then of course, um, uh, you know, I, I track that stuff through the, you know, there's a ton of stuff on migration online. There's a ton of stuff on the, on the BLS website and the census yep. uh, websites, the Black Knight uh, helps, uh, you know, on the mortgage foreclosures and the National Multi-Housing Council on the, on the evictions and all that kind of stuff. All of this has to do with what's going to happen next, you know, and, and you know, we, we do have a, um, at KenMacroy.com, we have, uh, if we, uh, if we have a uh, market uh, disruptor piece that, you know, your, your, uh, your folks can download if they like. You just go to KenMacroy.com slash market disruptor, and you can kind of take a look at some of the things that, you know, that we, what we take a look at that hopefully will help them make really good decisions. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's a big subject and, and uh, like, like, like anything you should need to educate yourself before you make these big decisions. And so hopefully this conversation has definitely helped you out. Now, I know you talked about KimMcElroy.com and that market disruptor piece. That's great. Um, obviously your YouTube channel has a ton of great information as well. Um, anything else that uh, you want to kind of throw out where people could follow you? 
Yeah, yeah. Just, uh, well, MC Companies is our company. If you want to take a look at what we're doing, you know, on an investment side, the, uh, but most of the education stuff is over on KenMacro.com. And I just want to say, this is the greatest time, guys, even though things are really high and, you, you know, and, and there's unemployment, the rates are low, though. And it's the greatest time to be able to, there's going to be a lot of money changing hands in the next four or five years. And, and the, the key to this whole thing, in my opinion, the people that will emerge are the people that are going to be studying and staying ahead of this. I'm telling you. Uh, so uh, congratulations on, on, on watching this kind of stuff. If you continue yeah. to study, you'll stay ahead of this. Great. Thanks so much, Ken. That's, a, that's, that's such great advice to uh, leave with. It's, the days of just closing your eyes and throwing a dart are over. But if you put the time in and the effort in, like Ken just suggested, uh, you have a great opportunity. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Thanks so much, Ken. Appreciate your time. Hey, my, uh, my pleasure, Mark. Always great talking to you, man. Yeah.